Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We're getting fainter and fainter and fainter, but the spirit in God in us is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It doesn't matter what you do to your life. In 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years, if you're in the 70s or whatever, we're gone. But Jesus remains the same. In the moment I'm gone from here, my last breath here is the next breath in heaven. And there's the unchangeable God who created me to be with him forever. And he's my savior only because I believe he is God. And he took my sins away. A lot of religions claim Jesus today. While they usually acknowledge the miracles he did and the wisdom of his teaching, they stop their praise of him there. There's no mention of his claims to be the only God. Pastor Mark's teaching today will continue talking about the Bible's assertion that Jesus is better than the angels because he is God. You'll hear what Christian cults say about Jesus and how they avoid or twist scriptures to fit their misrepresentation of who he really is. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 1 as he continues his message, Jesus, better than angels. Jesus is better than the angels because he alone is worthy of worship. Nowhere, in fact, there's commands against it, do we worship angels. So he is not a created angel. He is the son of God. He is God. He's superior. And the angels worship him as God. Notice also, in this verse, that God commands the angels to worship the Son. He says, angels, worship him. By the way, angels had no problem with that. Absolutely no problem with that. If Jesus was not God, if he wasn't divine, then God would be commanding, think about this, then God would be commanding the angels to worship creation. And of course, you know that's idolatry and goes against one of the Ten Commandments. So Jesus is God and he is divine, thus he can be worshipped. We do not worship creation. That was the whole problems in Romans chapter 1. You can go there and study it again. God says you got way off when you started worshipping the creation rather than the creator. So very easily, obviously, Jesus is divine and God. Thus, it's perfectly correct to worship him. The bottom line is that the angels are to worship the Son, and they did over and over again. 
They worshipped him at his first coming. The angels announced him and there was singing. They will worship him during the tribulation. I'm going to read you a part there. And they're going to worship him at his second coming. He's God. In Revelation, let me just read to you this Revelation 5 because of time. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them singing. To him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So the angels are commanded to worship God, Jesus. They do all through the Bible. And of course that separates him from Simply being an angel. Look at verse 7. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants flame of fire. Angels as created beings are subject to God using them however he wanted to. They're changed, they're transformed into many forms and elements to meet the need of God. That's exactly what we see all through the Bible. Now, verse 8 is a verse 8 you want to circle. This is one of the key verses that we use with Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses. Anyone, this in verse 10, anyone even outside of those individuals that says that either God or Jesus is a created being. Or specifically in this case, obviously that Jesus is not God. But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God. So who's talking there? God is talking. But about the Son, God says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. So what is he saying there? Here's number three. Jesus is better than angels. Because God the Father calls Jesus God, and you'll see in a moment, and Lord, or Yahweh. Look at verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. First part of verse 10 goes with 8. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord. So, here we have in verse 8, God the Father calling His Son, God. I mean, can it get any clearer than that? No, it cannot. It can't get any clearer than that. God calls His Son, God. Second, down in verse 10, Lord equals Jehovah or Yahweh. So what do we have? Notice here, his son is addressed as Lord, as Jehovah. That's a hard thing for the Jehovah Witnesses to, they just don't know where to go with those two verses. They simply just don't know where to go with those two verses. Because God calls his son God. What are you going to do with that? And of course, here in verse 10, 
God addresses his son as Lord or Yahweh, his own name. So also notice in that verse, he's a son, he's God, and he's a king who loves righteousness. In Luke chapter 1, we're told that the son would be God and on his throne. Let me read to you in verse 30. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for uh, the angel speaking, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, you will call his name Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now look at the rest of verse 10. This is another huge truth. Let me just read all of verse 10 together. He also says, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Well, who laid it? Jesus laid it. He's not a created being. He's the creator. So this is number four. Jesus is better than angels because he is, in fact, their creator. Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, as you know, all three work together at creation. They've always been. They always will be. They're eternal. They were never, ever created as the Mormons believe. That all of a sudden, man became a god. And God married wives and had all of us as children then sent us to this earth and eventually we're going to go back and we're all going to rule planets. Amazing belief that has nothing to do with the Bible. So what do we see here? The conclusion, to be very honest with you, is inescapable. The Jesus of the New Testament is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. Jesus is the creator of the world. Jesus is equal to God. Jesus is God. Case closed. Why would God put this in the Bible? Do you think God knew that Satan would raise up cults in the end days? Well, certainly he did. And it wasn't just for that. This is for the Hebrews at that time who were struggling with what to do with angels. So, well, you don't do anything with angels. Angels aren't to be worshipped. You worship Christ. You're a Christ follower. Don't go back to Judaism. Don't be tempted to worship them. You worship God. Now, with these verses, and I don't have time to go through it, certainly you can show where Jehovah calls Jesus God. That's a very difficult thing for them, especially the Jehovah's Witnesses, to do with. We can show them that in the Bible that we saw that Jesus is God and God calls Jesus God. The key is, I can't open their eyes, but God can. But one of the very difficult things you need to understand, specifically the Jehovah's Witness, most of their time in their services is spent getting ready to argue with you. And if you don't really know your scripture, you are not one to let them in the house ever. You will be so confused by the end. Of course, they have their own translation. If all things, you just get away from the New World Translation, it's full of errors. 
And of course, they don't like the New King James. They couldn't stand the NIV. They will go with the King James. So you can go back to King James. King James has exactly these truths. But understand, only the Spirit. Don't think, man, I'm going to take this on as a little thing here. I'm going to show the wrong attitude. You can't open their eyes. I can't open their eyes. Only the Holy Spirit can. But you can show them these verses and then just say, what are you going to do about that? And pray for them. Now, only truth, here's a key you want to know, and then I'll make a couple statements. Only the truth known and applied will set us free and get us to heaven. Some things, it doesn't matter. We can argue about it forever, all these things. But some things are absolutely foundational. And that Jesus is God is foundational to the Christian belief from day one. Always has been, always will be. Another one that's foundational that you'll discover from both the Mormons and the Jehovah Witness, you're not saved by grace. You're saved by grace plus doing enough works. Why do you think the Jehovah Witnesses are on your door? Because they're earning their right to salvation. So we don't believe that. It's grace. Martin Luther stood up and said it well. It's grace and it's grace alone. Works do come in after grace, but they're not part of our salvation. Now, when you take them to Hebrews 1, 8, and verse 10, again, we have God calling his son God. What are you going to do about that? God says, my son is God. And then, of course, the father calls the son Jehovah, or Lord. Now, let me just show you three other verses, and then talk a little bit about this next one. Revelation 117 is a great verse to go to. And of course, John 1.1. 1, 1. Now, Revelation 117 says this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Who's speaking? Jesus. I'm the first and the last. What are you going to do about that? I'm the beginning. I'm the end. I wasn't created. I've always been. I'm eternal. And of course, John 1.1 1, 1 tells us specifically how that is. And this is where the New World Translation, they take God here and make it a little g. Well, that's not their prerogative. The people that did their translation supposedly understood Greek. They don't understand Greek at all. Terrible exegesis of Greek. So John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the word was God. Clear, plain, given to us by God through the Holy Spirit to John. So we would know this. Now, why did I say to you that we can, we can have all kinds of beliefs about other things, but why can we not ever compromise this truth? Because of this verse in John 8, John 8 24. Jesus said, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Did Jesus claim to be God? Well, that's why he was crucified. Sure, he claimed to be God. And the Jews said, how dare you claim to be God? He said, I am God. I've always been with God. In the beginning, I was with God. 
If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. The Father and I are one. Over and over and over again. Now think of the seriousness of this verse. I told you, Jesus said, that you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I came to believe. You will indeed die in your sins. So if I don't believe Jesus is God, what does that say? Salvation is based on the fact that Jesus is God. If I do not believe that, then who died for my sins? A created being? An angel? No, who died for my sins was God. The perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. He died as the perfect Son of God. If we don't believe that, then listen clearly. There is no forgiveness for our sins. And that's why Jesus said, you will then die in your sins. This is cardinal truth. Can't get away from it. Will not be substituted. Who we believe in that died for our sins is the key. It must be, as the Bible says, Jesus, the Son of God, God, eternal, always was, always is, equal, coexistent with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 11. They will perish, but you will remain. And they will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same. And your years will never end. Number five, Jesus is better than angels because he's eternal and unchangeable. We talk about this global warning all the stuff that's happening, we see it's true. Lynn and I were walking the beach the other day and there's these birds, you probably saw in the paper this morning, we wondered, what in the world, who are all these birds coming? They're starving out in the ocean and they're making this trip way north or whatever and they came up and we see our world just disintegrating. Well, we know that that's going to happen. Romans 8 tells us that the world is groaning if the world could groan. It's groaning because of the pollution and all the things happening. So notice here, everything in the world is changing. It's designed to do that. It's going to wear out. How many of you know that you're wearing out? Does anybody here know that? Absolutely. Corinthians says every day we're getting fainter and fainter and fainter, but the Spirit and God in us is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It doesn't matter what you do to your life. In 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years, if you're in the 70s or whatever, we're gone. But Jesus remains the same. And the moment I'm gone from here... My last breath here is the next breath in heaven. And there's the unchangeable God who created me to be with him forever. And he's my savior only because I believe he is God. And he took my sins away. That's what this is talking about. The unchangeableness. We'll see that later in the book of Hebrews. He's the same. Say it with me. Yesterday and today and forever. That's where it comes from. So you can see these guys that are thinking, what's going to happen to us? No, he's the same. He's unchangeable. Yeah, Nero's destroying your world, but God is the same. Look at verse 13. To which of his angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels 
You can circle these words because this is their job description. Ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. So simply this, number six, Jesus is better than angels because he rules and reigns at God's right hand. No angel sits at the right hand of the Father. Only Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. By the way, he's there and he's interceding for you and me. Little statement for you to write. This isn't a downer on angels. Angels are awesome. They're incredibly useful to God and to us, but they are not God. So obviously they can't worship. They couldn't do anything about our sin. They are ministering spirits and they work with God to save men. By the way, during the tribulation, the seven years, angels are going to be very active again because of the love and the heart of God. Look at Revelation 14, 6. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Bottom line, the function of the Son is to rule, while the function of angels is to serve. I end with this story from Billy Graham's book called Angels. Great book if you want to get it. Billy Graham book wrote a book called Angels, God's Secret Agents. True story. There's literally thousands of these. On a dark night, a Scottish, true story, a Scottish missionary couple found themselves surrounded by cannibals intent on taking their lives. That terror-filled night, they fell to their knees and prayed that God would protect them. Intermittent with their prayers, the missionaries heard cries of the savages and expected them to come through the door at any moment. But the next morning, as the sun began to rise, to their astonishment, they found that the natives weren't advancing, but retreating into the forest. The couple hearts soared in thanks to God. It was a day of rejoicing. The missionaries continued their work. A year later, the chieftain of the tribe was converted to Christianity. As the missionary spoke with him, he remembered the horror of that night. And he asked the chieftain why he and his men a year earlier had not killed them. The chief replied, who were all those men who were with you? The missionary answered, well, there was no men with us. It was my wife and myself, just the two of us. The chieftain began to argue with him saying, No, there were literally hundreds of tall men in shining garments with drawn swords circling around your house. We couldn't attack. We didn't go forward. We went backward. Hallelujah. You say, well, that's not true. Well, sure it's true. How many of us are here because an angel came to our rescue? Amen. Today, Pastor Mark taught more about the difference between angels and Jesus. You learn that although sometimes men bowed down to worship them, angels in the Bible never accepted this worship and told the men not to worship them. Pastor Mark told you that only Jesus is worthy of worship being God. Any belief system that says otherwise is not biblically based. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This finishes up Pastor Mark's teaching, Jesus Better Than Angels. Next time, he'll begin his message, warning, don't drift. You'll hear in Hebrews chapter 2, where the writer of Hebrews is warning his readers against drifting from the gospel that they've heard. You'll be reminded that all Christ followers can be tempted to back away from the gospel and why you shouldn't do that. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.